Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I'm sitting down with Kirill Rachman talking about Chrome extensions and a few other things that he's been up to with Kotlin. Hi, Kirill, and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I know that you've been around the Kotlin scene for quite a long time, right? I mean, you you picked up Kotlin very early on. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I think I've read this blog post, Kotlin, the Swift of Android, that was around 2014. And I think that's uh, when I got into the Kotlin scene. And uh, since then, I've been doing all, all, all kinds of stuff with Kotlin. And I'm, I've been a really big fanboy, basically. <laughs> I uh, we, we joke sometimes that, I, I don't know if it was with you on Twitter that, or with someone that I said, you know, we were using, uh, or we should make a T-shirt that says, "I was using Kotlin when they were called traits," right? <laughs> yeah, right. I remember that. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, when you know before uh, interfaces. Before they used... got they got renamed to interfaces. Yeah, thank thank you Java Eight. Thank you for 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 that. Um, so yeah, <laughs> and uh, of course uh, streams got renamed to uh, sequences. But thank you, Java 8. Thank you for that, too. Yeah, uh, right. Remember that, too. Anyway, so one of the things that piqued my interest with you is that you did a blog post recently, or not so recently, and uh, regarding writing Chrome extensions using Kotlin, right? And uh, obviously, if I'm not mistaken, Chrome extensions are using JavaScript. So that also meant that you were using Kotlin to target JavaScript, which... I don't find a lot of many people are doing, or I don't know how many people are doing it. Let's put it another way. I don't find many people speaking about it. Uh, so that is basically what it is, right? You are using Kotlin to target JavaScript to write Chrome extensions. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. And uh, one nitpick, so it was Firefox extensions, but because Firefox and Chrome, they are both using this web extensions API, um, they are both basic, basically the same format. You can drop in some uh, some uh, small library and your extensions won't, will run both on Firefox and Chrome. But yeah, um, you can write or you have to write uh, browser extensions in uh, JavaScript. And I was using, I, I was wondering, so if it's JavaScript and Kotlin can uh, be compiled to JavaScript, can I write web extensions in Kotlin? And the answer was yes, you can do it pretty easily. And just like you said, there, there are not too many people talking about it. So uh, on the last Kotlin Conf, I saw, saw a talk about um, Kotlin for React on the browser or in the browser, which I found very interesting because that I, I didn't have too much exposure to Kotlin uh, compiled to JavaScript before myself. So I, I didn't do any browser site uh, development in Kotlin before, and that's, um, that's that, that was it. I was basically wondering, can I do it? And I uh, just, just tried it out. Uh, and before we dig into the details of how you exactly you do this, were you at the time familiar with JavaScript at all or not? So I'm coming from the Java world. I'm an Android developer. I'm a Java backend developer, also C Sharp and stuff, and JavaScript, I sometimes have to do it uh, on the job, you know, but 
I never learned JavaScript properly. Every time I have to do it, I just Google it. I found some Stack Overflow thing and I <laughs> put two and two together, you know, because it's similar enough to other languages I uh, I know. Uh, most of the time I, I can do stuff in JavaScript, but I'm not a JavaScript developer at all. Uh, just just to point out that sometimes in JavaScript, 2 plus 2 is not 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's an array of uh, string. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I know. Um, you know, it's funny because a lot of back in the old days, when I was young, we used to say that I don't do JavaScript, I do jQuery, right? Because it was essentially I've learned J jQuery as opposed to JavaScript, and it was a lot of copy paste. You know, reluctantly, if I had to do JavaScript, it was essentially copying and pasting something or seeing if there's one way to do it with jQuery. I mean, you do remember jQuery, right? You, you've heard of that, right? Yeah, It's absolutely. not that I, old. Okay. No, I'm not... no, I, I have used it, but uh, I didn't do too much JavaScript development. So uh, back in the early 2000s when everybody was doing PHP and stuff like that, so I was doing uh, WinForms in uh, VisualBasic.net. So I, didn't ha I really didn't have too much exposure to the whole web thing back in the day only now when i'm um when when everything is uh, um on the server you know uh, i'm doing more stuff more web stuff besides besides the android stuff I'm, I'm also doing but yeah i i my my javascript exposure um not too much back in the day and now not too much either <laughs> and what about exposure to firefox extensions and apologies for say, having said chrome i don't know why i had it in my head that it was chrome but what about Firefox extensions? I mean, have you had you ever experienced that in the past? Yeah, I was uh, using Firefox um, basically from version uh, 1.0. Oh, sorry, 1.0, and um, uh, Firefox was always about the extensions. And I think a couple of years back, I wrote my own uh, Firefox extension in JavaScript because, um, well, it's it's always the same reason because you need something and there isn't a, a solution for it uh, available. So you think to yourself, well, I can do it. And you start hacking. And um, I think it was uh, Pocket. Um, they had a regular Firefox extension. And then they uh, did this uh, cooperation with Firefox. And all of a sudden, the extension stopped working. And, but instead, you got Pocket bundled in the browser. So, um, but the, some of the functionality just got removed, like it's always, like it always is. And I thought to myself, um, I need a better extension for, for this pocket thing. And I just wrote it myself. And uh, that's when I got uh, in contact with uh, Firefox extensions for the first time. And then you didn't kind of look for VC roundings and try and sell it off for a billion dollars? <laughs> no, obviously not. I just put it up and made it open source and uh, uh, it got a hundred downloads or so. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, otherwise, you and I wouldn't be speaking. You wouldn't have time to speak to me right now, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm saying that, you know, you, you laugh, but every time you think about it, if Snapchat went public, anything can go public, right? Essentially. But Yeah, right. But they have a business model 
the Firefox extension using some other third-party API is not that. It was a few years ago, or about a year ago or so, that AdPlus said that they're introducing advertising in their plugin extensions as well, which which is kind of a ironic if yeah, you would think about it. Yeah. Cool. And so, you know, when you come to so I guess that from one side you were new you were you knew extensions, right? So you weren't completely new to that. And then so how did you get started? I mean, how does one get started writing a, a Firefox extension and specifically in Kotlin? Yeah, so uh, one interesting thing to note is that when uh, I wrote this uh, first extension of mine in JavaScript for uh, the pocket integration, the API was completely different uh, because Firefox, um, through the years, I think they had three or four different extension APIs. So they started out with something completely customizable, which can inject itself all over the place in the browser and can cause all kinds of performance and security problems. And then they replaced that with Web SDK, I think, uh, was the name. And that was a bit more isolated, where you can't do all of the stuff, but you can still do a lot of stuff. And that's the SDK I wrote my extension in. And now they abandoned that since version 57 and they only have the web extension API. So this is the uh, new uh, API that is also standard be uh, between the browsers, Chrome and Opera also, and I think the uh, Edge to some degree. So I knew how uh, the structure is. So you put uh, everything in a folder. There's a JSON um, file, which is the, the manifest. But apart from that, I didn't know anything about the new web extension API. So I just opened up the documentation on Mozilla. They have uh, pretty good documentation and um, just read up on it. The Hello World application, I think it just puts a red border around any web page. It's, it's really easy to make. And uh, it wasn't too difficult. You just read the documentation, you write it in JavaScript, and uh, then you transform it to Kotlin. Okay, so that's interesting. Do you, because I was going to say, you know, a lot of times when you're, when people are getting to grips with a new technology and, and they're looking through tutorials and they see that, you know, like say Android even, you know, Android, I'm, I'm learning to program Android and I look at all the tutorials and all the tutorials are in Java, right? And now I'm relatively new to Kotlin as well and I'm new to Android. And, and it feels like there's two barriers that I have to overcome, right? First is learning Android, and the other one is mentally translating everything to to Kotlin. And I was going to ask you the same thing around this. Like, did you you say that you first wrote it in JavaScript and then you translate it to Kotlin? Was that the workflow you were following, or, or you think that it would actually be viable for someone to directly just follow those tutorials and write the write the code in Kotlin? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I think um, uh, for the very first tutorial, I, I just tried, uh, I just wrote it in JavaScript because I, uh, I, I had to, I had to test it out the, the the whole workflow. So I had to know if it worked at all on my machine. Maybe it only works on uh, Linux, you know, and I have a Windows machine, so I had to make sure it works at all. But then 
the the uh, the second tutorial. So the tutorial is ex actually called your first web extension, and then the next one is called your second web extension. This one I uh, wrote in Kotlin directly. So I read, I had the uh, the documentation one on one screen and uh, the IDE on the second screen, and I and I did write it in Kotlin directly. But it but it's actually really easy because uh, Kotlin. In Kotlin, you have the auto completion. You have the all the IDE uh, support. You can go to declarations and stuff. And Kotlin JS has um, some of the browser APIs. So the document, uh, the the DOM, they have declarations for that. And I can type, you know, find element, and the auto completion will find the right method for me. And it actually makes it easier to write it in Kotlin directly than in JavaScript because well, if I only copy paste it, it's easier in JavaScript. But if I try to change something, so if I want to uh, change the background instead of the border, uh, IntelliJ actually gives me auto completion for that, and and that made it uh, that made it even easier to directly write it in Kotlin. And to actually start the project, you were just basically creating a Kotlin project that was targeting JavaScript, right? Yeah, I, I you can you can select Gradle. Um, project and there you can select if you want to do a Kotlin JVM, Kotlin JavaScript or a multi-platform and I just selected JavaScript and wrote something, compiled it and looked up where the um, resulting JavaScript were, was. Yes. And then just ship that in the format that is required by the, the extension, right? Pretty much. Yeah, it just requires uh, regular plain old JavaScript files. Um, the only thing you have to, to watch out is that um, the Kotlin application is uh, depending on the Kotlin standard library, and you have to kind of bundle them uh, together, or else your application won't work. Yeah, and, and the manifest file that you were saying that is required for all the extensions, yeah? Yeah, okay. the manifest file is uh, just the regular format, nothing special. So essentially no specific project template or anything really is required. It's just a plain old you know, Kotlin output it to JavaScript that then I bundle in a specific format. Yeah, exactly. The only difference is uh, just that your uh, output, so your code is compiled, your, Java, uh, your Kotlin code is compiled to JavaScript code, and the JavaScript code is uh, somewhere in a build directory, whereas when you're writing your extension in JavaScript, your code is your output. So if your file is in source main, uh, uh, myfile.js, that's the file you're bundling in your application, whereas in Kotlin, your file is a KT file, but a uh, compiled JS file is the one that goes into the uh, extension. Do you think it makes any sense whatsoever to have kind of like a you know Firefox extension project template in in, in something like IntelliJ or or Gradle that does some of this grunt work of copying the outputs and creating the manifest, or it's just not required? It's so simple. <laughs> Well, there are two sides. So the, from the IDE point of view, I don't think you, there is a need for some kind of template because it's just a regular application. You put the manifest file there and that's really it. But from the build side um, or point of view, uh, I think there is uh, actually a, a, a need and that's the uh, declarations of the web extension API. So this... Uh, whole web extension thing has a pretty big API surface. And 
you can write Kotlin uh, JS uh, web extensions by decla declaring everything is dynamic and then you won't have auto-completion and stuff, but your application will work. And that's what I was going to ask you because you were talking previously about uh, completion. But of course, completion comes with only, you know, what we ship out of the box, so to speak, with with support for, you know, the, the DOM and other uh, libraries. But when you're talking about web extensions that have their own API, this is what I was going to ask you. We don't offer that kind of completion, do we? Yes, absolutely. That's not available out of the box. And why should it? It's because it's really special. But um, that's actually uh, something that I was uh, thinking about when I wrote this blog post. So how can you make it easier for yourself, the developer, to write uh, the web extensions in Kotlin and have auto-completion and, and, and compiler a verification that you're not not uh, doing the wrong thing and uh, i just decided to to uh, write those declarations but not by hand but instead uh, taking a schema file uh, a json file a big old json file and uh, just generating the declarations out of it and uh, that's that's a whole another project i i was um, i i started right after my my first attempts with the uh, with the web extensions and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty successful. So it's I, I just scan this JSON file, generate the declarations, and um, uh, you and you can uh, distribute them as a JAR file. You can just publish them to Maven or wherever you want, and uh, get the uh, get the declarations in your in your Kotlin JS file, and then you have auto completion and everything that you need for developing uh, web extensions. But a small problem is that this uh, web extension API is always evolving. So uh, every couple of weeks, Mozilla is adding something to the uh, web extension API. And at this point, the, my declarations that I've generated and I've uploaded to uh, Maven or Bintray, they are, uh, they are uh, not up to date anymore. Yes, exactly. I, I made an, uh, a small project, an open source project on GitHub, where I take this uh, schema file, as I said, from the um, Mozilla uh, GitHub, which they have, and just download it and generate declarations out of it. I generate Kotlin code using a uh, library, Kotlin Poet, uh, by Square. Um, Jake Wharton was working on it at, at one point and uh, just use it to generate Kotlin code, compile it, and distribute it as a JAR file. When you're doing JavaScript, we're using what, what is known as definitely typed for many libraries, right? Which provide this uh, header and declaration so you get completion, etc. Is this not the case for web extensions for Firefox? Yes, so if I'm not mistaken, this definitely typed is for TypeScript de uh, declarations. And... Um, this is very useful when you're doing JavaScript, but Kotlin is, uh, uh, can't work with TypeScript uh, declarations. So the Kotlin compiler doesn't know about TypeScript declarations. But actually, you, we have a converter that takes uh, the header files that are definitely typed and converts them to Kotlin ones. 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, I I also stumbled uh, over this uh, converter tool, and uh, I I was thinking to myself maybe I can just take um, TypeScript declarations for this web extension API and convert them. So I found one um, repository on GitHub where there are there are uh, web extension declarations for TypeScript, and I tried the tool, but uh, the result was wasn't compiling at all. So a lot of red code. A lot of, uh, yeah, just uh, code that wasn't compiling. Oh, you should file a bug for that one, please. Yeah, file the bug, but it's not one single bug. I think the underlying reason is that TypeScript is evolving like really, really fast. They are they are adding new language features all the time, and this uh, th these new language features, the uh, converter tool has to deal with them, right? And um, I don't know how much time or how much uh, energy JetBrains is willing to to invest into this converter tool, but <clears throat> theoretically they had to update it every time TypeScript is updated. And if you if you don't do that, uh, you will always find cases where you have uh, TypeScript declarations that are using a newer version of TypeScript that uh, this converter tool won't understand. And uh, yeah, that was basically basically the case. I think the TypeScript declarations were using a version of TypeScript that is newer than uh, the one the converter tool was understanding. And, I, and to be honest with you, I mean, independently of this converter tool, and um, I could definitely speak internally and see what the situation is with it. But I don't personally, I'm not a fan of a language evolving so fast um, as is happening with TypeScript. But you know, to each their own. I think they have a valid reason to develop that, uh, to evolve that fast because they, so Microsoft is probably having some kind of vision for TypeScript. They want to make all, everything you can do in JavaScript, but uh, statically typed with TypeScript. And there are still cases where you can do crazy stuff in JavaScript that's still not possible to express in TypeScript because the type system is, uh, uh, cannot cannot express it and that's why they are adding uh, new fe new language features all the time to express even more weird javascript things but statically typed but on the other hand kotlin is uh, a different project and they don't necessarily have to have the same uh, the same goal you know to express everything you have to do in, in javascript which is good i don't want kotlin to be able to express anything you can express in javascript yeah, and I can agree with you there. Uh, in any case, though, I mean, if you are doing this kind of development and you don't have the specific uh, declarations, headers in in Kotlin, as you were saying, you could always fall back to using dynamic invocation when uh, on the JavaScript side, right? Yes, definitely. So you can... All all the uh, extend all the APIs from the web extensions at least they are they have this root object it's called browser and in Chrome it's actually called Chrome so this is basically one of the few differences the root object is called differently um, and if you in your code just declare a dynamic val browser so val browser of type dynamic then you can go ahead and write browser dot everything and Basically, you can write everything uh, you can do in a web extension this way. But, of course, you won't have uh, all the IDE features. And what about 
what you've written. How compatible is that with Chrome? It, I mean, with you said that Firefox has evolved their API three times, which if you compare that with the number of versions Firefox has, you should probably be grateful uh, that it's not evolved on each version. But how compatible is that with Chrome? Is your is your plugin, I mean, is it easy to, to make it cross-browser? Uh, yeah, good question. So uh, there are two sides to this. One is that there is a core uh, uh, set of APIs in this web extension uh, standard that is available on all browsers. So some of the APIs like the tabs or I don't know, context menus, there are available on all browsers that follow the standard. And then there is a, every browser has a separate set of APIs that are only available, uh, let's say in Firefox and are not available in Chrome. So if you're writing a uh, browser extension and you want to target both browsers, so Firefox and Chrome, you always have to take care if you're using extend, uh, sorry, APIs that are in this core set of uh, API, uh, APIs in both browsers, or if they are Firefox only or maybe Chrome only. This is uh, the first thing. And the second thing is the there are differences how asynchronous code is uh, or asynchronous APIs are implemented in Firefox and in Chrome. So basically in Chrome, asynchronous APIs always have a callback parameter where you just pass a function and you get a callback when, um, for example, a, t a new tab is created. Whereas in Firefox, you can either pass a parameter, uh, a callback parameter and get the callback or the function returns a promise and you can use the promise API like uh, calling then, or I, I'm actually not, not really sure how the APIs, uh, uh, what, what the names are, but you can either use the API or use uh, new JavaScript features like async await and await the promise. And yeah, that's, that's basically the, the two differences I found between uh, between the two browsers, but I think you can actually use some uh, shim API, uh, JavaScript library where you can convert all the Chrome um, asynchronous APIs using callbacks to promise ones. And then you should uh, also be able to, um, for example, await the Chrome APIs. So looking at this from the Kotlin perspective, have you played at all with coroutines when targeting JavaScript? So I played with it really briefly. So I, I have experience with coroutines on, uh, on the JVM or on Android. And when I was starting out with this project, I also thought to myself, maybe I can use uh, coroutines for the web extensions because actually all the APIs in the web or all the methods in the web extension APIs, they are all asynchronous. So really all of them. And that's, that's one of the performance characteristics of this new um, web extension standards that uh, your extensions can block the browser UI because they are, uh, all the methods are asynchronous. And it would be really useful to have coroutines. But, uh, and I, I uh, looked at the Kotlin X coroutines uh, library and at this uh, point in time, actually the JavaScript um, implementation wasn't ready yet. So I didn't pursue that because the, I, I know JetBrains was working on the JavaScript implementation for Kotlin X coroutines, but it wasn't ready at that time. But the last time I looked, uh, there was a release with the JavaScript implementation available and the uh, multi-platform. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how 
if that if, if that provides you any benefits and and yeah yeah definitely i i think it's 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 really easy the promise um the promises i think there is an uh, extension function in the kotlin x coroutines uh library where you can await a promise and that's basically everything you need you just put dot await behind a promise and uh, make sure your your function is a suspend function and then you can you can uh, write your imperative code using asynchronous uh, promises so overall, now that you've gone through this experience, would you do it again? I mean, would you write more browser extensions if the need were to arise using Kotlin? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it's 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 very it's a very nice experience. Um, I uh, made a presentation for the Kotlin meetup here in Karlsruhe, where I demonstrated the the whole thing, the the concept of writing web extensions in Kotlin. And the one thing I specifically did was to not uh, learn the or to not write down the code I want to to write in this uh, live co uh, live coding session, because I wanted to demonstrate how the auto completion was helping me find the APIs I need intuitively instead of me having to copy paste everything from stack overflow or from the mozilla documentation you know and i just started out with this uh, main function and i type browser and let's say i need to make a context menu so i type browser dot context menu and the auto completion offered uh, the the um, correct item it's called context menus with an s at the end i think and I, I knew that's the API I was looking for. I didn't have to uh, look it up in the documentation. And that's definitely such an awesome experience compared to writing it, everything in JavaScript where you are never sure if it's going to work in the browser. You're, uh, you, you're only, you can only test it by running it. And uh, the Kotlin experience is so much nicer. Oh, that's good to hear. And I hope that we can fix some of the hiccups that you've had regarding TypeScript converter to kind of try and you know keep a line because of course this doesn't only affect the web extension API but also other things that people want to tomorrow use with uh, you know Kotlin targeting I don't know whether it's React or whatever with, with Kotlin. Yeah, definitely. But like I said, I, I'm not too sure if um, if the uh, TypeScript declarations are really the right way because. TypeScript is uh, TypeScript type system is already uh, already so much more complex than the Kotlin type system, and I'm not sure if uh, if you can express everything in Kotlin that you can express in in, in TypeScript, or let's say I am sure you can't express some some things in Kotlin. So uh, maybe writing uh, extra declarations in Kotlin as uh, as an addition to the TypeScript declarations is also a viable strategy. You also mentioned that you've been working on some other things uh, with Kotlin and specifically with Neo4j, right? Yes, uh, definitely. Uh, uh, so in my job, um, we had the need for a, a graph data database for expressing uh, bus connections and finding um, changeover connections. So you want to go from A to C, but there are only only connections going from A to B and B to C. So you can generate a connection going from A to B to C. So that's a typical graph um, graph theory problem. And uh, I was looking around and I, I found Neo4j as the basically the leading graph database right now. 
and I played around with it. And um, the, the the platform, the runtime that Neo4j is running on is actually the JVM, which was nice for me, but not necessarily my uh, employer because we are a, a .NET shop uh, usually. But uh, I said to my uh, to my uh, to my employers that that's not a problem for me. So I can work with the JVM, no uh, no problem. And I did, and I used Kotlin for it because why not? If I'm on the JVM, why why should I write Java if I can write Kotlin? And uh, and it was a breeze, really. It was uh, it's it's a pure Java API. It's not uh, it's not specific. Uh, there are no specific things for Kotlin, and uh, you can just use it. You can there are um, you can use lambdas in some places where uh, the Java uh, the Java API has those single abstract methods uh, interfaces. You can just pass uh, lambdas. The uh, Kotlin uh, compiler has specific uh, support for that, and uh, that was that. It was a really pre- pleasurable experience. Really. Yeah, nice. And uh, I I love Neo4j and a good friend of mine, Michael Hunger, is. Uh, developer advocate there and he's doing amazing things with it I, sh- I should actually have him on the show one day and talk about more um, yeah definitely it's it's such an interesting topic and also uh, i have to say new for j i'm 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 really pleased with the, the whole project the api is, is uh, it's really easy to use and the uh, performance of the whole application is also uh, way better than i expected so uh you, there are some people saying that the, the jvm is slow so I think uh, that's it's really not the case with Neo4j. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Kirill, and I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and see, talk about all the wonderful things that you're working on. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, great for me too. Thank you again for having me. It was, uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Take care.